I used to sit in the preschool in tears. All the man really has to do on the day of birth is find a good parking spot. <laughs> Dad, Dad, catch this. Boom, I've done a poo. Stop stabbing your sister. From the news desk to the nursery. Mum! This is The Parent Panel with Siobhan Hunt. We're not meant to parent alone. And so to help you along with some of the more tricky questions, every week we invite two of our favourite adults into the studio to give us their opinions and advice. The topics are random, but they all come from the parenting world. They might be in the news from my own life, because I need help, to stories we've heard around the water cooler. Today we have wise mum, Bronwyn Mandil, founder of Mum Life and Mum of Three. Hello, Bron. How are you? I like my new introduction, wise mum. (laughs) You've always been wise. Come on. (laughs) And Matt Baisley, he's a TV presenter with Sydney Weekender, and he's the father of two, and I want to kind of say a father of 2.5. I'm not sure how pregnant your wife is. That's about right. About halfway there. Five and a half months, so a little bit more than halfway, yeah. Right. 2.0. Oh, Oh, the maths. (laughs) Don't. Too hard. I just realised that. 2.75. We'll take that. I'll say yes. Holy moly. Hi. We don't know. (laughs) Say yes. Like, what is wrong? God help my children. Hello, Matt. Welcome. G'day, g'day. <laughs> Today, we're talking about how we can help our kids be okay with making mistakes, mum imposter syndrome, and whether Shakespeare is a good idea for five-year-olds. First up, though, what musical tastes have you foisted onto your kids? <laughs> First thing you do when you start a band is talk about your influences. What kind of music do you usually have here? Anytime you want to drop by and listen to my Barry Manilow collection. Barry Manilow, huh? This week, writer Darren Levin took his daughter to the School of Rock, the musical, and it inspired him to wax lyrical about his own relationship to music and everything it taught him. I should actually give a shout out to Darren because I love his articles and he writes for News Limited, their Rendezvous website, and he always has something very funny to say (laughs) about parenting. Um, But this was a good question, I think, because music means different things to different people. Bronwyn, uh, what musical tastes have you transferred to your children and what has music taught you? Oh, goodness. Um, <clears throat> so this is confession time, right? <laughs> yeah, completely. <laughs> no. I mean, generally, I've got very eclectic music tastes um, and the only thing I don't like is my husband's music, which he's into like Led Zeppelin, the Pink Floyds. I just kind of miss that Pink era. Pink Floyd is quite I depressing, know, I find. I know, there's a couple of songs, you know, but generally, um, yeah, so anything my husband doesn't listen to, I will listen to. <laughs> so as a result, my children have got like the full gamut of all musical kind of eclectic happening. Um, but one thing like, for sure is um, we're really into the Woodford Folk Festival. We're going again this year. So I would have to say that not many kids are probably listening to a lot of the stuff my kids are listening to and have on their playlists. And I really love that they have a very eclectic playlist. No, you know? So now you have to tell us, you're not admitting anything here. I'm not admitting anything. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, oh yeah, I, I would have to say folk. Folk music. Folk music. God, but then I say that and it sounds like, you know, it's polka, but it's not. <laughs> no, no, I'm thinking hippie. Yeah. Well, you said yeah, the hippie. Woodford Festival. Hippie. So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. you can't see Bronwyn now, but she's wearing several layers of Buddha beads. And yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> Got Flowers in her hair, yeah. the braids. Um, and Bronwyn, has it? Have you found music as a teacher? I mean, Darren mentioned quite a few different genres and things that music taught him. Did, have you had any kind of relationship like that with music? Uh, I, yeah, I'd have to say definitely. I mean, like I, I sang for many years, and I was in a, I was in a grunge band at uni in the, uh, in the nineties, and um, you know, so. 
I mean, like, and I cry. I cried when you know with the whole Nirvana thing. I I think that generally, like, music's always very transformative, and I'm very aware of how that connects as my kids get older um, and there's a, you know there's a song for every emotion and there's a song for every feeling and the best bit is there's a song that's going to help them through any kind of dilemma they're in so I quite like to throw a little music in with my parenting it's a little bit of a soundtrack to my advice <laughs> as we go I really highly this recommend this is how it. I feel about uh, yeah, war yeah. and now you can listen to you too yeah do you know what I mean or I might even kind of bring up a topic and I might have a, you know a little bit of cold chisel playing in the background for <laughs> Just sort of bringing that home. You know? I love this. Are you yeah. telling the truth? I am absolutely <laughs> telling the truth. <laughs> okay, I was okay. talking to my son who's 14. God help me, he's 14. About, you know, like you know, going out with his mates at night and stuff. And I just happened to have Saturday night playing in the background. <laughs> <laughs> What's that guy doing? It's the bouncer. Now, the bouncer's job, you know, it does work. <laughs> nice. I've, I've learned so much, Bronwyn. <laughs> What about you, Matt? I wish I could say something cool with uh, that I've been uh, pushing onto my kids, like Radiohead or Nirvana, but uh, I've, having children has given me an excuse to relive all the Disney songs, really. I've just forced them into musicals. So it's it's listening to the Little Mermaids, the um, Beauty and the Beast, uh, without being slightly weird, being a young does guy, that, just listening to it by myself. Does that mean <laughs> that you know all the words to those musicals? Sounds like a loaded question, Siobhon. Uh, <laughs> it totally yeah, is a loaded question. Yeah, I do. And also then I move into sort of the Broadway world as well. So playing Wicked and Book of Mormon, which is problematic. Um, when that my is three and a half year old so starts getting deep into the lyrics of the of those songs. But um, but my wife balances us out with her coolness, listening to the Triple J's and the Jay-Z's and all that kind of thing. So. Now I want to come back to the musicals, mm. but you're a man after my own heart. I love musicals. You either love, love or musicals. hate it. It's like yeah. coriander. You yeah. either love it or you hate it. Totally. I love musicals. Um, um, so what's your favourite musical song? Oh, I am angling for a song, but my, well, I'm just going to keep trying. Probably Defying Gravity from Wicked. The way, uh, that 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 oh, is a big song. Big it's song. really, and it's it's more recent, but then there's also, um, oh goodness, the Phantom of the Opera. I'm a big fan of Phantom. Um, my sister worked on that for years, so I was lucky enough to watch that like as a, from an eight-year-old, which I think we're going to be talking about going to cultural things later on in the podcast. But um, yeah, uh, I think musical theatre is great for kids. Fabulous. Don't I get a song? Don't we get a song, Bron? Don't you? Oh, I'm have not going to do that to the entire soundtrack. The Hamilton, if we're into the musicals. Yes, tell me. Okay, the Hamilton soundtrack is... Hamilton, amazing. Yeah. How do I not know the big, of this? The big musical in the states. It's like eight hundred dollars a ticket. Yeah. And it's been sold out since it first went on. So it's it's kind of is it's, it American it's history? American history, and it's really quite random. It's about this guy that was part of Lincoln's government. And what? Yep, yeah, you've totally got to get into it. But oh the music goodness. is amazing. Absolutely really? amazing. Yeah, really. Hip. It's the same guys that did. The very random Bring It On the musical. I don't know if you heard of that one. No. You know Bring It On the cheerleader movie. Of course I do. That's a musical with an amazing soundtrack. How incredible! I I insist you get into this. I'm going to go. I'm googling it. I'm quite horrified that I don't know about it. I'll take your cats and I will raise it (laughs) (laughs) with very obscure musicals you've never heard of. I love it. I'm going to say Little People, Les Mis. Can't go past that as a song for children. I used to sing it to my daughter when she was a baby, and Mm. then I taught her the words. So she randomly would be walking to daycare along this little track where people are running, and Darcy would be singing the words to Les Mis. A worm can roll a stone. It's brilliant. brilliant. Isn't it 
good. Yeah. I love it. I, yeah, I love I that love we're that. in a silo of musical lovers. Probably everyone listening <laughs> is going, oh, get some taste, Absolutely. people. Absolutely. I'm going to give a shout out to my nephew, Joe Vissa, who is in Les Miserables. <gasps> oh, wow. So opening this weekend down the coast in, in Shoalhaven, the Shoalhaven Entertainment. Okay. Complex. Yeah. Anyone around Australia, yeah. Shoalhaven, fly into the Albatross Musical Society's. Go die at the barricades. Yeah, God, I so wish I could be there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my good. I'm just enjoying this too much, so that must mean we have to move on. Um, (laughs) Next, we're going to be getting a little bit more serious. How do you help your kids fail well? Okay, people, pay attention because I do not want to have to fail you. Failure of any kind is failure. And you all failed. Miserably. The trying is what matters most of all. You're just saying that so the losers don't feel bad. On Monday, my daughter didn't want to go to school because she had a test. Great way to start the week. (laughs) Mom, I don't want to go to school. Anyway, I asked her why um, the test was a problem. Um, if she could explain it to me. And she said she didn't want to make a mistake. And that's despite her teacher, who's fabulous, constantly telling the kids in their class that it's okay to make mistakes, that it's not about getting everything right. But failing is hard for everyone, not just kids. It's hard for us as well. Matt, um, how do you help your kids be okay with failure? It's a, it's a tricky one. Um, we're going through a little bit of failure at the moment with learning to ride a bike. So it's obviously a little bit different, but um, Billy just can't get her head around it and she gives up after 30 seconds. Um, and I get a little bit like, come on, you can do it, keep trying. But I know that I just let her walk away and she'll come back to it when she's ready. And that's, that's where we're at with that. But I think the showing mistakes in your own life. Like I spend a lot of time in the kitchen with my kids and that's where a lot of mistakes happen. <laughs> so they, they, they see that and then they move on. Or if I'm in the car, you take the wrong turn. Oh, I've gone the wrong way, but then there's always a way to fix it. You can go on a different way. But I think modern parenting and failure has uh, sort of don't really work together. I think to get a compliment from my folks when I was growing up was the hardest thing in the world. And I went to a party the other day where every kid got a present and passed the parcel and I couldn't quite get my head around that. And then I went and watched my niece play netball and there was a girl who scored six goals. She was like the best player. She didn't get player of the match because they share it round. Every, everyone gets a turn at being player of the match. And I just, I don't know if there's enough learning Mm. about failure anymore than what they used to be. Everyone gets a go and everyone's amazing and you're brilliant and there's not enough. Well, actually, you've got to try a little bit harder. I don't know. I don't know. That's just that's and just. And it's also hard. Uh, those examples you made, what strikes me about those is they're kind of out of your control as well. It's like yeah. you're not, you can't go to a birthday party no. and go, I don't want every child to get a pass and pass all No, everyone's going to come to Billy's party and go, this sucks uh, <laughs> because not everyone wins. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and Bron, how do you feel about that? Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a tricky one, actually, because I'm like you. Like, I, I really don't like the everyone gets surprised generation that we appear to be raising. <laughs> um, but, you know, like I, my mum had this line to me when I, I think I would have been like early teens. And mum, to this day, does not remember saying it, but it's probably the most important thing she ever said to me. <laughs> <laughs> because I raised my kids with this in mind. And that is, she said, the only thing you have to be perfect at is trying. 
Oh, I love and that. And I'm telling you, that it stuck with me. Now, that's sort of the philosophy I have. I mean, you're talking to the woman who fell down her front steps last night and said to the kids, whoops, oh, my God. Um, I, I make mistakes all the time, and I'm a real I'm a real trier. Like, I'll try anything. I, I, I don't have a fear of failure, to be honest. I, I don't know why that would be, but I don't. And I really hope I pass that on. I'm, I'm like a latent perfectionist, though, so I do get it. Um, my middle do- my middle child, my daughter, is a complete perfectionist, um, and she's definitely the kind that would not want to go to school if she wasn't ready for a test. Um, and how I work through that with her, she's now 13, and um, we've worked through that over the years by simply praising the effort rather than the yeah. outcome, mm. and that I think is really important. It's interesting, you know. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Full disclosure, I am totally the parent that gives everyone a prize yeah, at Puzzle. <laughs> but to back myself up, I was always like that. I remember being seven years old and telling my mum that, and I don't remember this, but everyone gets lolly bags now. My kids will actually go up to adults at a party and ask where the lolly bags are. If there's no lolly bags, there is going to be trouble. Mine embarrassingly call it the loot bag. <laughs> oh my God. Like it's an awards night yeah, and they're getting a goodie bag at the end of it. Well, they're yeah. stealing it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you've got to get it. But I remember in back in the day, I don't know that we all got lolly bags, but I was really clear to my mum and dad, if we have a party, no one leaves this house without it present I think it's because I was constantly losing at everything (laughs) I was a loser like my husband was a winner as a child I was a loser we balanced each other out but that's why I overcompensate now I'm like oh you're crying I I used to cry a lot too here's a present (laughs) have a sandwich (laughs) oh come on Here's a have a chocolate. <laughs> I am revealing way too much. I didn't much. want to say that. <laughs> you can't give kids chocolate anymore. I know, I know. You're listening to the Parent Panel on Kindling Conversation. I'm Siobhan Hunt. My guests today are Bronwyn Mandil, founder of Mum Life, and TV presenter Matt Baisley. Up next, do mums suffer from imposter syndrome more than dads? I've been promoted. I get to bully everyone. <gasps> Fatty and Spotty wee themselves every time I walk by. Friend, I still don't know what I'm doing, so don't tell anyone or else. Manny, don't you dare tell anyone. Mum's the word. That's Fran from the UK show Black Books, famously dealing with her own feeling of imposter syndrome. If you haven't heard of it before, it's basically when you're in a new job or position and you keep thinking someone will find you out, that you're not meant to be there, you're not really qualified. Writer Kylie Orr says she feels like an imposter parent. She writes, 15 years into the job, it still feels like I'm a fraud, tiptoeing around the edges, hoping my parenting inadequacies remain concealed. And she says that that it's something that afflicts her more than her partner. Bronwyn, in your experience, do you think mums feel like imposters more than dads? I think generally women feel like imposters more than men. And <laughs> I think that's just um, in my observation. Uh, I, I mean, yeah, I, I get it. I get how you might be a parent and feel, like we're all still waiting to grow up, aren't we? Like we don't feel like the adult. No. I love being at my parents' house where mum's chief parent and I can then just not be parent for a while because <laughs> the real parent can parent for a minute. Um, and I guess that's a sort of form of imposter syndrome. But look, you know, it all comes down to this idea of being perfect that we, we were talking about before. I think that there's such an onus on people to be perfect at parenting and perfect at life. And, you know, I, I, I do think I'll be 
worrying about being a perfect parent when I have perfect children, which I don't. So, <laughs> so I don't. <laughs> and really, it does come down to that. I don't. I'm always thinking like, okay, so you feel like an imposter. An imposter of what? Like, who is it? What is this parent that you're trying to emulate or you think you're not doing a good enough job with, you know? Um, so, yeah, I'm sure mums do feel it more than dads, but not this mum. Yeah, excellent. I like to hear that. What about you, Matt? I don't know. It's it's I probably I think that mums might, but I, I in the early stages I had a bit of the imposter syndrome. I had, when I was I, I gave up full time work and became a stay at home dad. And when you were the dad at the park with a little one, and you were confronted with those cliches of so how long do you go back and get a real job and is it dad's day with the baby today and that that kind of played on my mind for for a few months and then um then when I had the second we had our second child there wasn't enough time to kind of worry worry about that but I think with mums I think there's a lot more pressure on themselves um and through that horrible thing of social media I think that um through mummy blogs and um competition amongst other mums that dads don't tend to have. Um, when I catch up with my mates that are dads, we don't really talk about the kids. We talk about other stuff. And when I see my wife with her friends, they talk about the kids and what they're doing and development and what did they wear for book week and what was the costume <laughs> and the, the pressure surrounding that sort of, am I being as good as what Deirdre's doing with her kids, then that that kind of can be a little bit more of a, oh, am I doing enough or am I the right person for this job? Do you think there's a thing, when you were saying that, it also occurred to me that there might be um, historical expectation or historical pressure on women. So for a man to um, be doing the parenting job, the stay-at-home job, that's not what's generally ex- has been historically expected of men. And so you don't have as many years built, built up of the idea of being that person, that carer, that perfect parent, Mm. whereas mums have this history, even if they've switched switched roles out and there's someone else staying at home and they're at work, there's still that pressure historically to be the one providing the care and the nurturing and the clean faces. I don't even think it's historical. I think that's the reality for most families. Even if the dad stay at home, the mum's still kind of in charge. Yeah. Like the mum's still, ultimately the burden of responsibility falls on the mum. And that, that is a societal expectation because couples can obviously talk about and do whatever they want. But generally, if the ball's dropped, it's the mum's fault. And often even a stay-at-home dad who's out with the kids, you know, um, people still praise him for babysitting, you yeah. know. like So, yeah, it's. I, I think that women probably feel more pressure for a reason and that's because there is more pressure yeah. to, to be the best possible parent, you know. How do we switch that? I'm really curious. Mm. I was surprised when I became a parent. I was really surprised. I think there's something to be said um, that you don't, there's probably a lot more feminists that are made after they have babies because it's not until you fall pregnant that you really understand how different it is between the sexes. Or I didn't anyway. You're sort of cruising along going, I'm climbing the corporate ladder or whatever. Boom, you're pregnant. You miss out on opportunities. You're stuck at home, breastfeeding mm. in the chair, yeah. can't go out. I mean, I just wonder how we switch it. It's a big problem. I don't I, expect I you to answer. Rel- oh, no, but I do think we, re- we rely now, and it's really important that women stand up and say, I'm not defined by being a mother, right? So judge me on my mothering if you want, but that's not going to define me necessarily. And the more women do that, I think the more we can start to see that, you know, being a mother is just one part of being a woman. So you tend to feel less 
you tend to feel less bad when you drop the ball on mothering because you've got other stuff going on and it's okay, you know? And pay women the same amount? That would probably be the same yeah. thing because then it becomes like, well, why would she give up work to stay at home the whole time to have that burden of being the one and only when it's like, well, who's going to do it? It's not a given. That would be the other one as well. Yeah, and equal paid parental leave. Yes. Dad's taking paid parental leave. Yeah. So let's see, there we go. Done. Done. So Did we just solve the problems? Yeah, okay. Solve, solve it. <laughs> Take right the afternoon to- off. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, our final topic this week. In just a moment, would you take your five-year-old to a Shakespeare play? Now is the winter of our discontent, made glorious summer by this son of York. The quality of mercy is not strained. It droppeth as the gentle rain from heaven upon the place beneath. Friends, Romans... Countrymen, lend me your ears. A recent article suggests that the best time to introduce your child to Shakespeare is when they are young. Very young, like five years old. Admittedly, this was an article on a website called Stratford Festival News, a website (laughs) dedicated to all things Shakespeare. They may be a bit biased. Still, with people fixating on playing Mozart to bubs in utero, is the next step getting kids into the bard early? Matt, would you take your five-year-old to see Shakespeare? No chance. No <laughs> chance. There's, unless it was for kids. Unless it was Shakespeare for kids in a mini globe. Um, but uh, no, I, I think there's enough cultural experiences where you can take your kids to that are tailored for kids um, that you don't need to take them to ruin someone else's potential date night uh, <laughs> they've finally got you know the in-laws over to look after them they've gone out for dinner they want to watch Macbeth and there's a five-year-old crunching on Maltesers not enjoying a second Imagine of it. Imagine if you took your child to Macbeth <laughs> <laughs> especially one of those plays where they use the blood yeah. spreading um, out. Yeah Justine Clark singing about watermelon on a stage like yes. that's that's a cultural experience or yes. if you want it Shakespeare whack a DVD in at home. <laughs> so I was going to ask you what you would say was a, a better experience for kids. Is Justine Clark your go-to? Oh, I love Justine. Is I think, I think Justine's amazing. a dad crush amazing. on Justine. I have found I a lot of dads yeah. have... Um, well, I was just going to list off my dad crushes. Go like, on. Oh, I was going to do that. No, uh, I'm not going to do that. Your wife's not listening. She, she is, actually, yeah. <laughs> the Rachel from Play School. There's, there's another dad crush. Rachel Coops from Play School. Oh, she's a favourite here. Um, but, yeah, no, that's... Mummy and this, Pig. Go on, just, just Mummy be Pig, honest. yeah. Be honest. You know what? It, Miss, Miss Rabbit. She's a <laughs> oh! jack of all trades. That woman can do anything. She works at a supermarket, drives a crane. Like she's, she's, she's really the problem right there, yeah. to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of things that you can take your kids to that are on a uh, stage in a theatre that aren't Shakespeare. Yeah, right. Bronwyn, uh, your kids are older now. Would you have taken them when they were little? No. Would you take them now, I should ask? <laughs> no. And you know why? Because I probably, I mean, um, I've actually got an English literature degree. I'll just put that out there. Read a lot of Shakespeare. Love it. But I find Shakespeare on the stage a bit boring myself. I was going to say, I actually, I'm just so lowbrow. I'm, I don't you know, understand what he's saying. Reality <laughs> TV has, has ruined me. And no, I wouldn't take them because I'd, kind of wouldn't want to go myself. It's <laughs> <laughs> a bit like I was in the park the other day and I, um, a dad was talking about how it was movie night. And I went, oh, cool, what movies are you watching? He said, Thomas the Tank Engine. And I went, no, that's not movie night. No. It has to be something I want to watch. Mm. Maybe Harry Potter. 
Yeah, like this isn't isn't movie night where you introduce the kids to the next step in their, you know, education and, and your sanity to something more exciting <laughs> totally. than Thomas the Tank Engine. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so no Shakespeare. What what other um, experiences do you think are good when they're young? I, well, you know, like I mentioned earlier that you know Woodford speak for us and like live music. Um, Always, you know, like when they're little, like maybe a set of headphones or whatever, and, and you're kind of more up the back, like you're not right next to the subwoofer. You're not going to mosh people? No, no. <laughs> not moshing. But yeah, like live music's always been a really critical part of, uh, you know, how we kind of get along as a family, to be honest. So uh, live music, definitely. And, and you know, like, like yeah, things that are aimed at children. Um, I, I do love going to the theatre and stuff, and musicals are brilliant, yeah. And except no one can afford to take the family to them anymore. But, you know... <laughs> I'm sure in the 70s they really enjoyed a musical as a family. <laughs> That's when they went to see Hair. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah, sex education right there on stage. We should yeah. just – can we start another podcast just about musicals? Great I'm idea. there. Yeah, yeah, okay. I think so many of us would be there. Like, there's a lot we'll of – call it Treading the Boards. <laughs> yeah. No, not done. Copyright, copyright. Write it down, write it down. You have – firstly, you've solved inequality between the genders yep. and now – a name for a new podcast that is going to go viral. It's going to go gangbusters. Like no, so, many, so many people so many musicals <laughs> with their kids. They are. They are. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but not more than the parent panel, of course. No, no, of course no, 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 no. Phew, my God. This is more niche. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that we've solved problems in the world, I feel like I can just move on to my weekend and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bronwyn, Bron. Matt, thank you so much for um, allowing us to start our weekend in such a good way. It's a pleasure, Chef. Always love it, Chef. Thank you for coming in. That was Bronwyn Mandil, founder of Mum Life and TV presenter Matt Bateson. You've been listening to The Parent Panel, a Kindling Kids radio podcast. If you like what you heard, don't forget to leave a review and share it with your friends. The Parent Panel, new episodes every Friday.